praise God. Thank you, worship team. You know, today you can be seated. We, it's my strong opinion that we are way too silent in the church. time that I preach, I don't know if it'll be next Sunday or the following Sunday, but I'm going to talk to you on the subject, you better learn to talk back. You better learn to talk back. I know that your parents told you don't talk back, but you better learn to talk back to the devil. Amen. If you don't, your life is going to be wrecked. Amen. Because to be silent is to agree and it's time for the church to learn to talk back amen hallelujah everybody happy this morning turn to your neighbor tell him it looks like I'm a little happier than you amen praise God it's good to have sister Melissa back with us today after a much needed break amen and I appreciate her today commitment that she has to this house praise God you know we've been talking about the switch and um, how that we cannot turn it on and turn it off we compartmentalize our lives where that it is a this is a spiritual part going to church going to life group going to bible study having a devotion and then this part of our life is, is not spiritual. Going to work, going to school, going to the ball game. Uh, we have deemed those as unspiritual. But the reality of it is, is your work is just as spiritual as what you do at church. The football game is just as spiritual as what you do in the church building or at life groups or in devotions. In fact, as far as the world is concerned, it may be more important. Amen. Because if somebody doesn't touch them, if somebody isn't an example, if someone isn't a light, then uh, there, there is a great chance that if we don't reach them, nobody will. Amen. And uh, so in our life groups this, um, this semester, we've been talking about community, right? And reaching our community and touching our, our known world, our community, uh, by just being light, being a witness. And uh, the life groups have done some, uh, to what, what some would say, well, it's it really insignificant things, but it, it, sometimes it's the small things that make great change. Amen. Uh, Jason and uh, Jill's uh, group uh, have some notes here from Sister Ava. I appreciate Sister Ava and Brother Joe and their commitment to life groups. Amen. And uh, she keeps me on track and I appreciate that so very much. Uh, Jason's group is um, going to the nursing home uh, and ministering there, just sharing, and uh, that's powerful. Ava's group is doing shoe boxes. Uh, they're sending them, I think that's through um, the uh, Samaritan's Purse, right? And so if you are, 
what I'm, why I'm telling you this is because if, if you weren't in a life group, I don't know why you weren't, but if you weren't in a life group and you want to be involved in some, something, here's some things you can get involved in, all right? And so uh, Ava's group is doing shoe boxes. They're also for Samaritan's Purse, and you can see her after service if you'd like to participate in that. Also, empty um, medicine bottles, right, for uh, the homeless shelter. Um, Josh and the student ministry went to uh, Ninco. Is that how you say it? Neco. There you go. Neco. And that is a group that does fostering and, and uh, children that are in the, uh, not yet, I guess, in the fostering system. And uh, they went down there and served them and ministered to them and helped them. And they're uh, not only doing that on a one time, but they've uh, committed to doing uh, community service there on an ongoing basis. And so our, our students are involved in that. And uh, that's awesome. Amen. Uh, Sister uh, Patty and Brother Gary's um, group, they helped with the landscaping out here and uh, also uh, taking meals to the seniors, right? Is that right? All right, and I think that's already been done. I know the landscaping has, all right? And then um, one of the things that we're going to be doing is uh, we are um, going to bless the civil leaders here in our community. We've, um, Brother Jason is made up these mugs. We're going to give this to the town of Hurricane. Uh, it has a Hurricane logo on it. And then somehow One Life got on the back. And uh, so uh, we're going to share that with them. That's what the police department looks like. And then also we are giving uh, to the Clodin Fire Department. And so um, we are going to be blessing our civil leaders. Man. And so uh, we're going to reach out and, and, and no strings attached, right? No strings attached. Uh, somebody says, well, what if they come to church? Well, that's extra. That's a blessing. But I don't like people giving me something with some kind of motive behind it. If you're going to give me something, give me something, right? But don't be doing it with some kind of hidden motive behind it, thinking that if I do this, then I can get this out of you. That's not how the kingdom works. Amen. Jesus gave. I know some people say, well, if, if there was only, if I was the only lost person on the world, in the world, that Jesus would have come and died for me. I've got news for you. If nobody would have given their life to him, he'd have still come. He came with an expectation because the father had the relationship with the family had been severed from the father and he came with a hope and an expectation but no guarantee that not even one person would ever accept him as savior and lord but he came anyhow. And that's how we must serve our community. That's how we must reach out to the hurting, the broken, the dying, the wounded. Those who, are, those who don't have anything to give in return. But we're not giving so that we can get something. We're giving because that's what Jesus does. I so said that's what Jesus does. Amen. And if Jesus does it, then we need to do it. Amen. And so, when we begin to look at... 
how we are created. We are created to be just like Jesus. We talked about the first Sunday. We talked about the switch and how that we have to keep that switch on all the time. 24-7 it needs to be uh, on in our lives. Jordan come and talked about uh, the God of the grind and how that even in the midst of the weekly grind and the small things of life, how that we must keep that light on and God has given us grace to do that, right? Come on, talk to me. Last week we talked about lighting up the nations, being a light not just in Culloden, West Virginia, but to the ends of the earth. Amen. And how that we have that access and we have a connection there and how that we're involved in doing that in Zambia. Today I want to talk with you just a little bit more on this thought. In John chapter 9 and verse number 5, Jesus says this in part B of that scripture. He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So it suggests to me that after he is gone, someone else will be the light. Amen. As long as I'm here, John, I'm the light of the world, but I'm not always going to be here. And so he's he's telling his disciples, this is as long as I'm here, I'm the light. But then in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, we find out who's going to be the light after that. He says, you, say me, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown under and trampled under the feet of men, but you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Amen. We don't have any problem saying Jesus is the light of the world. Our problem comes when we say I'm the light of the world. Amen. But that's what Jesus said you were said, as long as I'm here, I'm the light of the world, but I'm not always going to be here. John picks up the story and he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a, a hill cannot be hidden. And so then he goes on in verse 16 and he said, let your light so shine before men. One of my favorite verses. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works, but it doesn't stop there. But glorify the Father in heaven. Because whenever I was a kid preacher and people would come to me and tell me I enjoyed that message. Uh, God bless you. It was a blessing to me. I didn't know what to do with that. And I'd say something like, oh, it's not me. Or something else, you know, just try to shrug it off because I didn't know what to do with it. And I always, you know, back in that day, I was preaching um, 280 services a year and and uh, I always thank God when I lay down on my bed at night I thank God for that uh, service and and he spoke to me about concerning this one night and he said I want you to quit doing that 
I said, what, what's that? He said, those are my roses. And you're taking them and trampling them under your feet. He said, men have given them to you so that you can give them to me. We are to be a light in the darkness. We are to be an example. And Peter and John didn't, when they came to the man at the gate, they didn't go up and say, well, it's not me. Huh? They said, look on us. Silver and gold we don't have, but we got what you need. (laughs) Right? They didn't say, oh, it's not me. They said, look on me. I've got something that's going to change your life. Glory to God. You see, we we get caught up and and it's really a a, a pride or arrogance and we don't even know it. We're acting like that we're nothing. But I want to tell you today, and I don't... uh, Probably shouldn't even say this, but there's a common anointing, but there's also an uncommon anointing. And I won't preach this today, but I can prove it through scripture. There is a common anointing and there is an uncommon anointing. Have you ever listened to somebody sing a song and you said, that's good. That's nice. You've heard somebody preach and said, they're a good preacher. But then somebody else sang the same song. Someone else preached the same word. And it was something that changed you. It was something that gripped your heart. It was something that moved you in your spirit and in your soul. You see, there is a common anointing that there's a whole lot of people that's got. But there's an uncommon anointing that will destroy yokes and remove burdens. There's an uncommon anointing that will bring the supernatural into your life and into the church and into the kingdom of God. And I don't, I'm not interested in a common anointing. I want that uncommon anointing that destroys destroys yokes and removes burdens. I want that common anointing that will draw people to me. Glory to God. That will draw people that I can lay hands on them and see the sick recovered and the demonic set free and the joy restored to those who are hopeless. Glory to God. That's what we need today. We need to say have an anointing on our life that will draw people to our life so we can minister to them and set them free. That's a message for another time. But we have to be this light. We must be this light. Our light is to be shining in darkness throughout the week. So others will see the way to the cross. Amen. Romans chapter 2 and verse 19 said, You are a guide to the blind, a light to those in darkness. You are a light to the blind. You're a guide to those who are in darkness. My question today is this. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life to be convicted? Is it more on or is it more off? Is there enough evidence for you to be convicted? 
It's an interesting question, isn't it? It's one that we need to consider. Is there enough light coming from your life that people will say undeniably, there is a Christian? Some people have said that, that you know, and, and I've gone back a little ways, but I've been in the church all my life. But there's, there was a, a time in the church whenever people would say, they'll know you by the way you dress. They'll know you by the clothes you wear. They'll know you by your hair. They'll know you because you're not wearing those ear bobs. But I heard all that, but my problem is I read the Bible. And they didn't even know who Jesus was. They said, who is Jesus? Show us who he is. Now, I know we ought to live holy lives. I'm all about holiness. In fact, I'm a holiness preacher. I'm a tongue-talking preacher. I'm full of the Holy Ghost, fire baptized, and I believe in the power of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Unashamedly. Amen. So I'm not making a mockery of it, but what I am telling you is that we've preached a lot of stuff that isn't true. Yes, we ought to be modest in our apparel. Amen. We ought to be modest when our apparel, not just when we come to church, but all of our life. Amen. But they didn't know Jesus from anybody else. They had to be pointed out. But how did they know him? They knew him by his love. They knew him by his actions. They didn't know him because of the clothes he wore or what he looked like. They knew him because of what was coming out of him. Amen. Amen. It's our responsibility to keep the switch on all the time. It's the enemy's job to turn the lights out. How can your enemy short circuit your light? How can he do it? What causes a short circuit? Well, I'm not an electrician. But I do know that if the circuits get dirty, it can stop the flow. It can cause the current to quit flowing. And every once in a while, if the, if, the, if the dirt builds up, if it corrodes and clogs up, it can cause the flow from getting to where it needs to go. Amen. Dirt is what we were created from. Are you walking with me? And dirt is what we are created from. It's the flesh. The devil gets a lot of blame for things we do whenever it's not the devil at all, it's our own flesh. We made a choice. We made a decision. People blame the devil. They say, well, whenever somebody goes into sin or whatever, they say, well, he fell into sin. Somebody explain that to me. 
Well, you just like walking around and then whoop, whoop. I didn't see that coming. Nobody falls into sin. We choose it. I said we choose it. Our flesh, we begin to short circuit because of the flesh. The dirt has got in the switch. And it's not flowing like it used to flow. Huh? We're not praying. Can I say it? We're not praying like we used to pray. We're not reading the word like we used to read. We're not worshiping the way we used to worship. And what, but what happens whenever all those knickknacks are sitting around the house and you don't dust them every once in a while? The dust begins to build up. The dirt begins to build up. And that's what happens in our spiritual lives whenever there's not power, when there's not authority, when there's not an anointing that's flowing continually, perpetually through our life and the switch is off long enough, it'll build up the corruption and the crud around it. And then when we want to flip the switch on, Samson, there's no power there. Samson didn't fall into sin, he chose sin. We don't fall into sin, our flesh rises up because we haven't been praying, we haven't been worshiping, we haven't been reading the word. And the flesh begins to rise up and the flesh's will wins out against the spirit. No one backslides overnight. People backslide on church pews. Sitting in the church, we backslide. And as a result of us backsliding, sitting in the church, one day we quit showing up at the church. The prodigal son did not decide to leave the father's house after he left the father's house. He made all the plans while he was sitting up at his daddy's kitchen table. Eating his daddy's food. Sleeping in his daddy's bed. Getting everything that he needed from his daddy. And right there in that atmosphere he decided to leave his father's house. People don't decide to leave the father's house after they've left. They've already made the decision while they're sitting in the father's house. It isn't worth it anymore. I don't enjoy this anymore. We quit worshiping. We quit reading the word. We quit blessing his name. We quit giving to him. And as a result, we decide this isn't worth it. And as a result, you don't see him in the father's house anymore. Why? Because the switch has been turned off and now we're so comfortable with the switch being off that we even leave it off in church. While others are being blessed, while others are receiving from God, while others are being ministered to, while others are worshiping, we're sitting there saying, I don't know, I wish this song would get up. What's wrong with Sister Melissa? She sang it six times, don't, isn't that enough? Wish, wish pastor would shut up. He's getting on my last nerve. Can I tell you that whenever you're thinking thoughts like that in the house of God, is you're on your way to backsliding. Amen. 
Whenever you're in love with Jesus, whenever you're in love with him, worship, an hour worship service is not too long. Whenever you're in love with him, you're hungry for his word. That is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. But after a while, we're so comfortable with the switch being off that even in the church, we have no connectivity. We don't feel his presence. After all the changes that we've made, it's the enemy's job to get you to turn the switch off, to put your light out. Amen. After all the changes we've made, after all the progress that you made, after everything that you've denied and turned away from, and after all the commitment that you've made and the progress that you've made, and even become a witness to others and telling others about the goodness of God. Amen. After being that light and being that witness, can I tell you that one foolish act can undo years of being the light? I'm going to say that again. One foolish act can undo years of being the light. That's the reason why we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard the gates. The Bible says this. He says that our eyes are the the gate to our heart. If there's no light in your eyes, it's because the light in your heart has gone out. Can I tell you today, you can tell where somebody's at with God by looking in their eyes. I shouldn't tell you that because you know, go. But you can look into somebody's eyes and is there any light in there? Is there any fire in there? Is there any passion in there? Or has the light gone out? Amen. It's a gateway. It's a gate to our heart. Because our eyes, it says what you see is what you're going to become. It's where your heart is going to go. Right? I'm talking, I'm giving you scripture. I'm not making this up. It's in the book. And so what we look, we got to guard our gates. We got to guard our eyes, what we're looking at. Because what we're looking at is where our heart's going to go. We got to guide the gates to our ears. What we're hearing. Because what you're hearing is what you'll begin to believe. Huh? That's the reason why culture will keep on hammering at you, hammering at you, hammering at you, hammering at you. They'll keep saying the same thing. It doesn't have to be true, but if they can get you to hear it long enough, you'll start saying it. And so if they can get you to begin to hear it enough, you'll begin to say what is being said to you, what you're hearing in your ears. It may not be true, but it becomes true in your heart. So as a man thinketh, amen, sin will make you look like a fool. Amen. The headsman in Zambia asked me to pray for him, one of them. And he told me this, he said, 
I'm a Christian. He said, years ago, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the past. But he said, there's one thing that I cannot overcome. And he said, that's alcohol. This is what he said to me. He said, it is taking my dignity and respect before the people. It is taking my dignity and respect before the people. He said, this is my challenge. I believe he really loved the Lord. I believe that he, he had at some point in his life received the Holy Spirit. But he's dealing with something that's causing him to look like a fool. Because, why? Because it's taking dignity from him. It's taking the respect. The people hear what he's saying, but they see how he's acting. And now they have no respect. And the dignity and the honor that he had for him is taken away by his actions. I know it's old school, right? It's quiet up in here today. It's tight, but it's right. The church used to preach on convictions. Amen. And it wasn't about, you know, I mean, I know some people got it mixed up with what I was talking about a while ago. If you got long hair and you, you got long sleeves and all of this stuff. And I told you before, we've, we lived through all of that. When Renee and I was evangelizing, one, one church uh, called me and said we were supposed to go to. And he said, has your wife ever cut her hair? I said, yes. And she wears earrings too. He said, well, you probably better not come. I said, no, I know I better not come. Amen. I was getting ready to, I probably told you this before, I was getting ready to go into a meeting one night, and uh, I went into the, that was when I was staying with the pastors, you know, and went into the living room, was ready for church, and I had long sleeves, or short sleeve on, and you know, you had to wear a coat and all that stuff, so I thought short sleeves would be all right. It was summer. And uh, he said, you ain't going to wear that to church, are you? said yeah I was planning on it he said oh you better put something else on I thought to myself if somebody starts lusting after these elbows I'm not the one with the problem come on somebody amen but I'm talking about conviction where the Holy Spirit convicts you of not just sin, but righteousness. Amen? Where the, it's a personal conviction. You don't put your convictions on somebody else. This is what God says to me. And how many know that conviction, sometimes it isn't about something that's sinful. It's just something that, that you have to deal with because God's saying, that's separating me from you. And if you'll give that up, then I can come closer to you. Amen. There, there was a time, I'll just give you an example. There was a time in my life whenever I had to give my dogs up. I think they came from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I know I can't get no witness up in here. But... It wasn't that dogs are bad, as I love hunting with dogs. I, I, I love it. 
but it was that they were taking more time from me than what I was giving to the Lord. So I had to learn in my life how to balance a thing. Amen. And bring balance to it so that it does not come before the Lord. So he didn't say, I'm going to hell if I didn't give my dogs up. But I heard Holy Spirit say, you need to get that right. And the only way I knew to give it right was cold turkey. Give it up. Let them go. So that I could learn balance in my life. Glory to God. You see, God has trusted you to be the light in your family. He has trusted you and he's counting on you to be a light in the workplace. Amen. And you can't be a light in the workplace if you turn the switch off, go in and talk, listen to all the dirty jokes around the uh, uh, water fountain, laugh at all of their junk, and then expect them to see you as different. Amen. There's some things you just got to walk away from. There's some things you just don't participate in. Amen. Why? Because I'm here to be a light. I'm here to be a witness. I'm here to be an example. And so he is counting on us to be that light in the marketplace. He's counting on us to be that light in the city, in the school, in the, in Walmart. They knew him by his actions. They knew him by his love, his compassion. They knew that something was different about him because of the way that he responded. Sometimes we have to have convictions in our heart where that, you know, I know that people don't want to talk about it anymore. People don't want to, especially in church, they they tell you don't preach no doctrine. It's one of the first things they tell you if you're starting a church, don't preach no doctrine. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't have, now this is just a country boy speaking here, all right? But you, you, you don't have boundaries. If you don't have banks, then all you're going to have is a swamp. The water is going to flow just wherever it wants to. But you put a boundary, a man of righteousness on one side. Amen. And you put a boundary of the Holy Spirit on the other side. Then the river will begin to flow through that thing. Put a bound bank of one side of worship and the bank of the word on the other side. And the water of God, the breath of God, the fire of God, the power of God will have a place to flow through your life. And not only your life, but touch other people. But if there is no convictions, if there is no doctrine, then all you're going to have is a swamp. And I'm concerned about our church in America that it's all right to turn the switch off and just have a swamp. But we need his power. We need his anointing. We need him to flow with strength. Praise God. And so we've got to have convictions. We've got to stand for something. Have a standard in the church. Amen. I said have a standard in the church. Where that you know what you believe. And you stand upon the word of God. Amen. 
And whenever Holy Spirit convicts you, you say yes to Him. Amen. Amen. He'll give you opportunity. He'll never come into your life and take something or extract something from you without you releasing it. He will come to you and ask you, what about this? What about what you're watching on the internet? What about what you're listening to? Amen. What about what's going in your eyes? What's going in your ears? Because it's going to determine what comes out of your heart. And he's counting on this generation to be a light in darkness. Ephesians says this, for you were once darkness. I've read that several times over the last three or four weeks. Because I thought for sure it said, for you once were in darkness. But it didn't say you were in, it says you were. You were darkness. You were sin. You were iniquity. Huh? You were a lustful heart. Huh? You were darkness. But now you are light. What light are you? In the Lord. We walk as children of the light. Glory to God. I was going to give you an example here this morning, but uh, my uh, ill preparation wouldn't allow us to do it. (laughs) But if you take a mirror and you have that mirror before you, if the light is shining into the mirror, it is not... The reflection of that light is not the light itself, but it is a reflection of the light. But here's the thing that I want to say to you today. The reflection of the light should be as bright as the light itself. So when he, the Holy Spirit, when he, God the Father and the Son, reflect into our life, that light shines into our life, when it reflects out of us, it should be as bright as the light that has come to us. To not let the flesh taint it. To not let the dust stop it. But just as bright as the light that came to us should be reflecting back to a hurting, a lost, a broken, a dying world so that they can see Jesus through our life. Hallelujah. So they can see that he, the son of God, lives on the inside of us. Right? And that we, we, we are that witness that we are not ashamed because we were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. He tells us this light didn't come from you. This light is a reflection of the one that is light. 
And he's put his light on the inside of you. And now you shine forth his love. You shine forth his grace. You shine forth his compassion. You shine forth his goodness and his mercy to those around about you. Amen. You see, I know that people say, well, why don't you preach on hell more? Well, Jesus didn't preach a lot on hell. He preached a lot on how not to go there. And we need to be a light in this dark place. We need to be a witness in this dark place to let people know, yes, I was once darkness myself. I was wicked. I was sinful. The corruption of sin had already demoralized my life. Amen. People say, well, you know, I, I'm, I was born this way. Have you heard people say that? I was born a homosexual. I was born a whoremonger. I was born... Huh? Well, I got good news for you. You can be born again. Amen. I said you can be born again. If you really believe that's the way you were born, you can be born again. Because I too was once darkness. (laughs) Hallelujah. But the light got to where I was. The light shone in my heart. And I knew that I was sinful. I knew that I was corrupt. I knew that I was lost without a savior. And because of his love came to where I was. And showed me his goodness. And showed me his love. Showed me his mercy. And I said that's what I want for my life. That's what I want to do the rest of my life. I want to be like Jesus. I want to show forth his love. I want to show forth his compassion. Not just in a pulpit. Not just in a church. But every day, wherever I am. I want them to know in the elevator that I'm a child of God. Not because I got a button on. Not because I got a bumper sticker on the car. I won't even do that. But I want them to know because of the love. Because of the grace. Because they can see a light radiating from my life. And I, I, I'm, really, I'm really concerned about this modern day church that we feel like that we can do whatever we want to do and it won't affect our anointing. It won't affect the grace of God, the power of God. Yes, I believe in grace. I'm, I'm the first one in line and thank him for his grace. But grace is his unmerited favor. I didn't deserve to be saved, but he showed me grace. I didn't deserve, amen, to be called a son of God, but he showed me his grace. Amen. I don't deserve the blessings of God, but he is gracious and kind to me. Amen. I understand his grace, but his grace is, is deeper and greater than we can even comprehend or understand. But this is what I want you to understand as well. Is his grace does not give you a, a place for you to go willingly sin. And willingly live a lifestyle. Huh? That you once were convicted of. But now everybody's doing it. Well, just because everyone's doing it doesn't make it right. Amen. 
So I want to keep my light on. Brought this little example here for you today. I had two of them, but I messed up on one. So thank God I had two. Jordan, plug that in down there. You're younger than I am. If you're shocked, it'll be all right. Is it in? Praise God. I got me some piggly wiggly salt. Just ordinary salt. Is that light on? Switch is on. Jordan put the power to it. But there ain't no light on. Should be on. But something's not happening. There's no connection. There's no connectivity. A lot of people have the power source. They have Christ. But there's no light on. No witness, no testimony. But he said, you're the salt of the earth. Problem is, some folks aren't salty enough. If you just have a little bit of salt, that's the problem. Some folks have a little bit of salt, but it's going dim, barely on. Make it to church one Sunday, but can't make it two. Quiet in here. Can make it to church four Sundays out of the month, but can't keep the light on at school, at work. It's just awful dim. But the more salt you have in your life, the more light you become to a hurting and a dying world. And that, my friends, cannot be hid. You are the salt of the earth. And when you're the salt of the earth, you become the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. I don't want to be a part-time Christian. And expecting full-time benefits. But I want to be the salt. That keeps the connection. Flowing in my life. So that I can be the light. As bright or even brighter on Monday. As it is on Sunday. I want to be that witness. Not by me telling them I'm a full gospel preacher. But by seeing that my witness, my light is on. And they see my good works. And it doesn't stop there. But then they glorify the Father which is in heaven. Amen. 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 That's what it's all about.
If you've lost your salt, then there is no savor. There is no flavor. I want to have flavor, don't you? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Brian, you know what? This word is speaking to me. Maybe it's... I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to suggest what areas it may be. But Holy Spirit's just speaking to you. Says, you know what? There's some places in your life where the...